Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, who welcome you to listening and or watching. Ed, uh, this week, um, you took a trip with the spouse and you guys went and enjoyed uh, some more Eastern European lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. We, I took her to, uh, I took her to Prague this weekend and, uh, there's a hot debate between her and I right now. If Prague or Budapest is the best cities we've been to, uh, I think it's a tight race. She says Man. it's a tie for her, but yeah, Prague is a awesome city a lot of history and great food and and then it's about atmosphere i i like old towns in uh in europe and, and the atmosphere in the old towns and you know with kind of yeah. the, uh the vaccination numbers increasing in europe i guess the old towns are pretty crowded and so it's back to really right. it's really close to back to pre-covid kind of tourism that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, what you got to do, though, if you truly <clears throat> if you truly want to be able to say, hey, this is the best or this is the best, is you guys got to come up with a criteria, a grading criteria, and then you publish yeah. it to the public. I mean, it, I'm just could. saying. Yeah, you, know? you could. I mean, food. I mean, you could go with food. You can go with the beer, the local beer, the breweries, uh, then the atmosphere. And yeah, I mean, you could. They're still very close because like, you got Prague Castle, and then you got Budapest has a castle, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, it's just an idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, for the the Haley traveling, uh, European traveling thing, which you should, probably should have started. I don't know, a couple of years ago, probably that would have been nice. But I, I only started a <clears throat> yeah. separate traveling Instagram because. Somebody cried. Oh, all these pictures, you should just put them on a separate Instagram. And I was like, actually, that's not a terrible idea. And so that's what we did. Who did <laughs> that? Who cried? Who's the crybaby? It wasn't you. <laughs> okay, good. No. I'm going to say, you yeah. made it like it was me. But no, like, no, no, no. You no. only cry about fantasy yeah. football. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not the one that lost this week, though. I know, but you didn't beat me. So. So, you don't so get the we have the same record is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but I'm still it matter. tiebreaker. Uh, we still have the so tiebreaker. I'm still here. You're still here. Tiebreaker. Until I keep winning. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, things are going uh, going okay. It sounds like I can tell you here. Um, so we did a little um, little bike upgrading here at the house. Bicycles. Why? Yeah. Um, Eva, she has removed the training wheels. Oh, she excellent. is full on riding. Like she, she's a speed demon. She, she loves it. <laughs> and it, it took me, it took no brother. It took me literally a half hour to get her to ride without training wheels. That's it. She, she uh, rode around the block with Ethan and I. She had the training wheels still on. She and Ethan and I rode around the block. She rode with us, and she's like, "Daddy, I'm just so slow, and these are dragging." And I'm like, "Well, there's <laughs> an easy solution." And she's like, "What is it? What do I need to do?" And I said, "Let's take them off." And she's like, "All right, we'll try it, but if it doesn't work, then we'll put them back on." I'm like, "Yeah, right, whatever." <laughs> you know, I said yes. Um, 
<clears throat> so we took it off and lots of, you know, crocodile tears, things like that have took place. A lot of this is too hard. But now she's she rocks it, man. Like literally within a half hour, she's pedaling <laughs> away. And then we couldn't we couldn't get her kids to come back inside because all they wanted to do was ride around the block. That's not a bad problem to have, you know. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, the very next day, very next day, uh, I posted it on Facebook. I said she did about twelve miles. By the time the end of the day was over, I'm guaranteed that kid rode twenty miles the wow. whole day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, on I mean, a little kid bike, and that's good. Like, there's taking, no speeds or nothing. Taking the wheels off, and yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's totally unrelated, but I, uh, to today's episode. But <laughs> I vividly remember when I took my training wheels off, and my I had the the old banana seat. Remember them old long like spikes? Oh seats? yeah. And my old man was holding, yeah. it and he let it go, and I was just pedaling, and and I didn't realize he had let it go. And when I did, I panicked and I ran over three kids. Um, so that's that was my first experience. I panicked and just ran into a crowd of kids playing in you know in the neighborhood and just ran three kids over. My first time riding a bike without training wheels. <laughs> yep, I had a I had a brown baby poop colored bike with the big giant banana oh. seat. <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. It's horrible. Oh. So trauma. This is I'm not pr- I'm not proud of this story, but I'm, you know, I mean it's it's obviously history now. Um <laughs> Eva asked me. She's like, "Daddy, how did you learn how to ride without training wheels?" I looked her dead in the face. I said, "Um, honey, I stole the kid's bike down the street and the only way I could get away is by pedaling really fast." <laughs> Oh, way to be the example. That's, and that's the truth. So, and so reverse that story a little bit. That's the truth of what happened. And then, so we get caught. It's me and my brother because my brother's running beside me. Uh, we get caught, all this take. And then uh, my sister's my sister's dad, uh, he ended up buying the bicycle. And then it was my brother's bicycle. So I, it's just weird. Like, like that's, yeah. But that's basically how we got it. We just we stole some kid's bike and took off on it. So we yeah, do we do horrible. not endorse stealing. Bikes. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, we don't endorse that. No, I I do not. I I do not. I do not. But you um, did learn to ride. All right. So hey, I did learn how to ride. That's that was the that was the cool part. Yeah. If if you ever rode with me, even now as an adult, you'd be like, "Are you sure you know how to ride?" Because I tend to wreck like once every two weeks. So you know, like I just, I mean, I had a wreck. I had a wreck last uh, two weeks ago. I'm still a little sore from it. Um, oh, and then we picked up mountain biking. So I'm mountain biking with my buddies uh, here. There's a group of them. We're going to do a, it's like a, it's called the 12 hours of Old El Paso, but it's, it's like in the desert and you're just riding these crazy trails. Like you look at it and you think from a distance, it looks flat. It's not like there's massive hills and like, oh, it's, it's pretty crazy. I hate so, so much. We're zipping through it yesterday actually they're zipping through it i'm like i'm like way behind them and i'm hitting some of these turns and there's loose gravel and i'm learning how to uh relearning how to power slide the back tire you yeah. know like when we were kids you'd hit the brakes <laughs> and you'd go sideways i'm relearning how to do that with handbrakes so it's pretty cool um but i digress <laughs> i digress <laughs> uh. hey um <clears throat> so we went over last week ed we went over mentorship and we talked about mentoring and this is like I I want to I can't explain how important this topic is really like how 
how much like individuals need to look at it, look at it as a mentor, as a mentee or somebody looking for a mentor or anything like that. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to dive further into the topic by talking about these skills that help people become successful in the process of mentoring. Right. We're going to look at, we're going to look at, uh, you know, specific just to mentoring. We're going to look at specific just to the mentor and then just to the mentee. But these are skills that we need to look at. Um, and what it'll do is it'll help individuals when it comes to like, hey, finding that mentor or finding the right mentee um, that you feel like you can train or, or basically help out. Um, but what I felt I felt was pretty, uh, pretty uh, interesting was the start of this article that we, we've found, which by the way, Listeners out there, I did upload uh, the Mentoring 101 packet to the closed Facebook mm. page. So if you search 101 Influence and you join the group, you can go in there and get that. That's free. I mean, it's something I found that was found online. And uh, But with this one, what I find interesting, Ed, is I didn't realize how far back the study goes um, until I started reading through it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, so this, this particular packet... It's published in 2003. 2003. Yeah. However, the original study was done by uh, Linda Phillips Jones. She's got, I got a PhD in 1977. So 1977 to 2003. The thing is basically 26 years old. I'm not mathing. No. <laughs> 26 years old. 26. <laughs> I'm mathing it. 26 years old. Um, and it's like, how do people still, you know, when it, when we find stuff like this, like my problem is, is, is how do people still have problems with this? Or, or do they, is there, is it just people hoping to find the right mentor and then it'll just work? And that's what led to me. Like when I started reading in the beginning of this, it's like, oh, in, in most cases, even through this study, people seem to think it's just something that happens or will happen. They don't actively engage in it. That's that's what I'm getting from the initial part of this uh, this uh, article that we're going to go through. What do you got yeah, before I, we go? Before I dive into some of this reading, no, no, no I think you're onto something. But I also think that some people are just not comfortable trying to mentor other people, and they don't want to come out of their comfort zone. And you have to challenge yourself. And come out of your comfort zone in order to provide that guidance and that mentorship because you probably have something. I guarantee you have something to offer, but you may have something to change somebody's the course of their career, you know. Um, but because you don't want to interfere and you don't want to share that, you know, because you're uncomfortable doing those things. Mm -hmm. So just get out of your comfort zone and, and it can make a difference. Yeah, I and I think I you know I, I'm going to read this first initial paragraph, and to me it starts clicking in my head about like basically there everyone probably could do it. It's just if if they actually want to put the time or resources in it. Um, so it says right here, effective mentoring requires more than common sense. Research indicates that mentors and mentees who develop and manage successful mentoring partnerships demonstrate a number of specific identifiable skills that enable learning and change to take place. This strategy booklet describes these skills and provides a total for you to assess yourself informally on each skill. And with this, I'm just like last week, I'm going to publish this one to the closed Facebook group because I think there's a lot of information. We're going to hit the wave tops. We're just going to kind of browse through. I think for people to really 
to like dive into it, they should just you know pull it off of that uh, closed Facebook group. Um, so real quick, uh, I'm going to read this next one here. It says, for years, individuals assumed that the process of mentoring was somewhat mysterious. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like people, and I, you know, after I think about it, I kind of felt that same way too. It's just kind of like, eh, if somebody wants to teach me, they'll teach me. If they don't, they won't. I got to seek the information. Yeah. I really didn't think about it as a process. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I kind of get that too, because I think you don't um, realize that you're mentoring somebody initially. Like for me, the first few things that now I can look back and say, oh, I was actually mentoring that soldier at the time. I wouldn't have called it mentoring. I was just working and doing my, you know, being an NCO, being a non-commissioned officer. And, and next thing you know, it's like, Oh, Oh, that's mentorship. I get it now. Got it. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's very accidental yeah. with the first, you know, first time you, you do it. Exactly. But, and that's what I mean. Like if, if people uh, start actually, engaging as if oh i'm in this process and they they actually you would be surprised how far they could take this mm -hmm. um i just wanted to i wanted to jump over real quick and mention something i was listening to this the other day and i felt like as i was listening to it i felt as if there was as a small process of mentorship in itself um and then i was going to read the rest of this but um jocko podcast uh i I kind of took a break from it for a little while. I think it's more or less because I don't have the long drives anymore. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't listening. I think I'm going to start, I, I want to start picking it up again. Cause especially I have bike rides. I do a lot of light, long bike rides. I'm just going to start listening to it on that. But um, episode one, uh, 302, uh, that's a real, it's a recent one. Actually, the title is have a plan, a protocol and a code um, mm -hmm. iron sharpened leadership from general John Gronsky. And I started listening to this and this guy. So how do I relate this um, in, in the, so we just started our second semester here at the Sergeant Manager Academy. And one of the first things that they talked about that we're going to be covering and we're going to sprinkle in throughout uh, this course or this part of the course is uh, MRT. You yourself, you're an MRT instructor. You understand how MRT works. And, and uh, yeah. so, and I was thinking, I was listening to it and, um, I was listening to the show and I just like, as he was like talking about it, he's talking about MRT in the show on episode 302. And he's talking about like just these, all these aspects. And it was funny. Um, this is what, this is the part I was getting to. One time he uses the word catastrophizing, right? Mm -hmm. And Jonko, now Jonko, he's a retired Navy SEAL, right? He literally, and maybe he knew this, he was just, posing the question i don't know he says oh is that a word you made up or is that an official title for something and i'm like that's weird i've yeah. i've heard that word for the past what 10 years <laughs> since we we've been doing uh oh, mrt for what, 10 years now yeah i think it's more than that. yeah but it, it but that's where i was like i was like man so like it's it was a small form of mentorship right there when he's talking about catastrophizing and teaching him what that was mm -hmm. and all this and how you know it just it was it was kind of like you know light bulb clicks on like hey anybody can be anybody's mentor right yeah. and, and that's that's what i got from that interaction it was really really good i recommend everybody to listen to that episode really good episode 302 302 i'll have um, to go back because i've also taken a break so I'll have to, i have just so many podcasts so i'll have to go back and take a i listen. know 
Yeah, you know, I, hey, brother, I, I get you. Sometimes I just want to put on music too. But I think what I'm going to do is, especially with these long, because I, I mean, I do a lot of long bike rides. I'm going to start listening to the podcast again to, to just kind of reinvigorate the, mm. the thought process. Um, oh, so let me let me read on here. So we talked about it being mysterious, right? Yeah. And it's just this weird thing that takes place. Um, it says these relationships just happened, and chemistry had to be present. It was impossible, even somewhat. Uh, sacrilegious to analyze and describe the specifics of what was going on in these arrangements analyzing and putting names to behaviors would theoretically kill them so what the author here is talking about is like it's just weird how people went through this process together however it was a process um but a little, little later on that's what i was talking about linda phillips jones uh 1977 studied hundreds of mentor mentee partnerships as well as individuals unable to identify any mentors in their lives. The conclusion, mentoring was such was much more ex- examinable, <clears throat> excuse me, and yet more complex than first thought. Uh, so basically, this the whole demystifying side of this, Phillips Jones discovered that effective mentors and mentees use specific processes and skills throughout the relationship. The skills and processes can be learned and relationships can be better, more enjoyable, productive, and even time efficient. Mm. That's what it's kind of like. That's what I got from the introduction. All right. So there's this process. Yeah. There's skills involved. And if we can, if we can identify this process uh, through those skills, then we actually can make this a better thing. Um, what we're going to kind of cover here is we're going to go through, Ed, uh, you, you mentioned this earlier the other day when we looked at the Venn diagram. Yeah. And on that Venn diagram, it, it has it has uh, the shared core skills and then each side skills. Um, we're going to basically, we're going to start with the shared core skills and then we're going to move to the mentor specific and the mentee specific. You want to kind of, you want to kind of get us started, kind of running in the right direction with this? Yeah. So, <clears throat> the first first one we got here, Brian, is the active listening, which is the most basic mentoring skill. The other skills are going to build on and require active listening. And so we mentioned it a little bit last episode because I used this. I had the notes drawn out for this. So when we talk about active listening, that's talking about being genuine, appearing to be genuinely interested. And that's uh, doing things like saying, hmm, or interesting or something Letting them know, you know, that you're interested in what's being said, that buy-in, um, appropriate nonverbal mm-hmm. communication, which we also talked about last episode. That's eye contact, you know, nodding your head, leaning slightly toward them, frowning or smiling when appropriate, um, not interrupting the mentor or the mentee while they're talking, and show interest in things they've said in the past. So this is that reflection piece. By the way, how did that meeting go? If your manager, we've talked about this on the show before, you know, with your, you know, your people that you work with and, and they say, oh, you know, like for me, like, you know, I told my, my captain was aware I'm going on this trip. I'm going to go to Prague for the weekend with my wife, um, you know, or better yet, you, one of the first things you said today. So how was the trip to Prague? So that shows that interest, mm-hmm. you know, so same idea with active listening. And then to summarize the key elements, you know, this is done many different ways in a conversation, you know, but it ensures a shared understanding when you do that and you say, okay, so I am tracking, you know, military language, right? I am tracking 
this, this, and this, or, you know, we're talking about uh, mentoring and we're talking about short-term goals. So we're tracking that, you know, by the time we meet again, you're going to accomplish this by doing this, this, this. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's exactly right. And then, so we have that back and forth and we have a shared understanding and it demonstrates my uh, listening actively to the uh, mentee. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Active listening. <laughs> Active listening is a skill that I think everyone can work on Yeah, uh, because I, I know like I, I find myself sometimes off in a daze when somebody's talking to me and I may catch a couple words. Um, I don't mean to. And that's why like sometimes I have to write some stuff down as I'm talking with somebody so I can kind of reflect back upon it. Uh, but I mean, that's a... That's a key, key, key skill that uh, is needed. And then if we move on to the next one, we're talking about building trust. Mm. Uh, building trust is probably where I have it up here. Um, so I drew up, you talked about it last week. You talked about uh, the declination diagram of leadership. So I actually, <laughs> I, I drew a whole... I drew a whole thing up here on my board and I have a list of, uh, well, it's nine items. I was trying to come up with a 10th. And part of that was that whole, you know, creating, creating teams. And one of the best ways to create a team is still building trust. Um, and if, if a person trusts you and you trust them, their relationship just continues. Like for instance, uh, we know we've known each other for a while. So we, we have each other trust, trustworthy. We know we're both uh, trustworthy individuals. Uh, could be, you know, maybe, maybe it's debatable. I don't know. Um, so building trust, the more your mentor and mentees trust you, the more committed they'll be to your partnership, right? If, if I don't, tr if, if I'm, if I'm seeking, uh, mentorship from you, Ed, and, and I don't feel that I completely trust you, then there's mm. always that skepticism. There's always that kind of, that, I don't know if that's the right thing. Like if you're giving me advice, Right. And I'm doubting it. There's no trust there. So then I'm not following through with that. It's it. Well, but how do you build the trust? What are you doing to build the trust? And I think it's actually, you know, it's, it's through the small actions of like, basically, you know, spend appropriate time together. So if, if I'm around you enough and I get to know like, Oh, okay. So this is how that person is. It, it allows me to experience you. You can't like, all of a sudden, you just say, "Hey, we're gonna mentor mentorship team. We're a mentorship team, and um, mm -hmm. I need you to trust me." And then all of a sudden, I'm gonna uh, Simon Sinek. That's what kind of Simon Sinek talks about, right? I can't tell you to trust me. Then automatically, you it has to be just over time built. Yeah. Now, could it be a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time? That just depends upon how willing somebody is to allow that trust to take place. Uh, one of the key indicators of building that trust is basically fulfilling promises. If, if you say, Hey, I want to set up a meeting with you. We're going to do it on this day, this time, uh, let's just do it as lunch or whatever. And then we get to that day and it's time for us to do some mentorship stuff. And you all of a sudden you call me and say, Hey man, uh, I can't show up again for another two weeks. I'm going to be busy. Like, I'd be like, what happened? You know, I thought I was important. Now my trust is kind of starting to get broken a little bit because like I'm not important. However, if you, you say, Hey, we're going to do it this time, this, this day. And then you show up and you're there and you're there early. I'm like, man, maybe he's taking this serious because he's actually, you know, he's actually concentrating on me. So that builds that trust. Um, 
how about this respect mentor mentee boundaries mm-hmm. like what are the boundaries um so those boundaries could be anything from all right my private life is my private life and we're not gonna we're not gonna mix that together right um it could be it could be a thing where we don't we don't conduct this relationship at a place of business or at, at a workplace where you know like there's a boundary there we kind of keep that separated um errors like if uh the mentor makes an error it's okay to admit it hey man you know what uh, i gave you advice on this and this is what you did. I probably shouldn't have done it that way. Maybe, you know, hindsight says I probably went this way, this way, this way. That tells me one, that one, you're not perfect and it's okay to make errors. Uh, Actually, they talk about that in that, that same episode 302 talk about, it's okay for leaders to admit, Hey, I made a mistake. Um, but also at the same time, if I make an error and I could admit it to you as the mentor mentee to the mentor, I made that error. I can admit it to you. Then you can turn that around. Maybe help me in my error. So it, and it allows me to be um, just trust, you know, not trustworthy, uh, respectful to you. And then we think about admit your error, not admit your. Hackfully tell your partner if and why you disagree. Like we've done that. Yeah, you know we. There's been times like we'd sit there and we would be discussing things, and you'd say, uh, you know what. I get where you're going, but I, I don't agree with that. And I've heard you say that to me before. <laughs> and I think I've said the same thing to you, but that's okay because what it does is it gives us that other point of view, right? Yeah. It allows us to kind of elaborate on that. Um, but that to me, that's building trust. That's kind of like the over overview of building trust as one of those key skills. Yeah. And I think one thing that, you know, you got to mention is trust is one of those things that if you lose it, it is difficult to get somebody's trust back, you know? So if you do something to, to violate that trust, it's hard. And and some of these things that you're talking about, Brian, you know, um, uh, you know, not admitting your errors, you're going to start deteriorating that that trust that you have with them. And, and you know, you want them under your trust tree. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to get that back. So and admitting your errors, you know, you miss an opportunity. You've been talking about Jocko a little bit today, but I mean, that's just extreme ownership. Hey, I messed up. And that, yeah. Which I love doing that, by the way. Yes. I don't love making errors, but I do love when the look on somebody's face when you say, oh, oh, yeah, no, I did that. I, I messed that up. I, I, you know, this is, I did this, this, and this. That's my fault. And they're like, mm-hmm. uh, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do with this? Like this screaming I had in my back pocket for you, you've, you've diffused it now. So, but yeah, it, that trust tree is very important and, and it's really important not to violate it, but it's just because of the, the damage it does long term and the difficulty you're going to have you know to regain mm-hmm. that so you see you you brought that up about that hey i messed up thing <clears throat> that's one of the things they talked about uh in that particular episode was uh he said it's okay to say you messed up but if you're somebody who says every single time yeah. i messed up i messed up i messed up after a while what's the competence level now? You know what I mean? Like competence is starting to yeah. play a role in this. And then if, if I'm the mentee and I'm hearing this all the time, or let's reverse that. If I'm the mentor and I'm hearing that from the mentee all the time, I'm like, oh, I mean, how do you mess up that much? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't equate. So there may be a competence level versus a comp, a confidence level that needs to be adjusted. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about encouraging, man. Yeah. So there's a couple of key things with encouraging that I found. One, I found that 
you have to be aware of how much encouragement, right? Uh, because you, it is a such thing as too much encouragement because then it just loses the value. It's, it's, you're paying lip service at that point, or at least that could be the perception that you're just, you're saying nice things, but you don't really mean it. You're just saying it to say it. So you have to be careful. And, and it goes, a lot of that goes into knowing your mentee, right. And understanding, right. Right. Understanding like how they perceive <laughs> your encouragement. So that, that's one of the really key things. So there are different types of encouragement that you can offer. And, you know, in the article, it just talks about a few really key ones. Um, and one that I like, the first one, compliment your mentoring partners on accomplishments and actions. I also like to add to that a little bit, you know, uh, talk about how they accomplish those things. Because then that gives them that background knowledge of how they met a goal or whatever successfully. Uh, and then that enables them to possibly build some winning streaks. Um, the other thing is, you know, the, the third one they talk about is praise them privately one-on-one. And we've talked about that many, many times. But when you're praising them, give the background like you did this. And, and here's how you did it, you know, however you word it, you know, like the example we use, you talk about MRT at MRT is, oh, you shot very well at the range. I noticed you really focused on your breathing pattern because now they're understanding how mm. you paid attention to them. And that encouragement just means more because when you give yeah. a detail like that, you're showing them it's not just lip service. It's not just you praising them because that's the right thing to do. You're actually paying attention. Uh, and so that paying attention is, is pointing out a positive trait. Um, you know, it's, it's really good to tell, you know, so young soldier from my, um, communications team, he was, you know, he's out there, uh, supporting this, this, um, conference that we had last week and, and Murphy showed up. And for those that don't know, Murphy is that thing that happens that you don't think is going to happen. And it kind of makes you have to respond and, and, so the computer, his computer shuts down, right? What well, he's getting ready to present with, you know, the um, Supreme Headquarters mm. of uh, Allied Partners Europe. And so he, his computer goes down and he is just sweating and he's getting in a panic, you know, and I'm watching him. <laughs> yeah, he, he is, you know, he's getting in a panic. And so afterwards I pull him aside and I say, look, man, like you have done these things great. Murphy is real and things happen, but how you responded, your yeah. perseverance, you didn't give up. You were just determined. And those, so that's me pointing out these positive traits and telling them. And then the mentorship side is really, I told him, you just need to work on kind of how you handle that stress so that you can be stressed. But everybody in the room was watching it. The poor guy. I mean, there's 40 people staring at this guy messing with this computer, but you don't want them to know that you're stressed. And, and it was obvious. So that's one of the things. And then, heck, I can go into another one. Same guy. At the end of it, I say, hey, man, because he's a one-man show. And, uh, you know, we have, yeah. we have 16 countries and four, not 40 allied partners in the room. And he is the communications dude. Wi-Fi, presentations, people dialing in on MS Teams. So at the end of the conference, I told him, I said, hey, like, you know, hey, we really appreciate what you did, man. You are amazing. That that was awesome for a one single sergeant to 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 do all that. Um, so yeah, and then um the other thing is, you know, I, I pulled my detail in. I had this detail it was like picking guys up at the airport, bringing them, and I just asked the uh 
I asked the um, partners, I said, hey, as you're traveling back to the airport today, just kind of let my people know, like, if you appreciate their, you know, what they did and, and their professionalism, because I knew that that would have an impact on these young soldiers. So that was another, you know, talking about mm-hmm. expressing thanks and appreciation is an encouraging thing. Uh, write encouraging memos or email and leave complimentary voicemails. Not really a not really an ed thing necessarily, but I do tend to write thank yeah. you emails, you know. Um Yeah. I don't talk to voicemail. I don't talk to my wife's voicemail, but it is a good tool. It's just I don't do voicemail <laughs> thing. <laughs> um Yeah. And then when somebody gives you some kind of help, don't just take that help and use it and make people think it's yours. First of all, let them know how they helped you. Hey, you know. You took some stress off of me by your performance for the communications for this conference. It, it, you helped me not be stressed out. That's I'm just letting him know how he assisted me. And as a senior to a junior NCO, you know, that's encouraging to him. So there's many, many examples, yeah, yeah. Ryan, here that you could, you know, you could show um, and, and, and offer your mentorship through encouraging. I think encouraging is important. But you got to make sure, yeah, yeah, it doesn't become, um, it doesn't lack being. It's not, you know, it doesn't become where it's not genuine. You don't want them to perceive it as mm-hmm. that. You want to make sure that, right, whoever encouragement you get, they're like, yeah, he really or she really appreciates what I bring to the team or what I bring to the table as the mentee. So, um, yeah, so encouraging, it's important. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I'd like to that, that part you talked about with, it's basically de-escalation of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, I like, I eat that up. Like if my anxiety gets high, uh, there are certain people I know I can reach out to about. So like if, if I'm thinking about something that I know that's creating anxiety and I can reach out to certain individuals, which I just, I kind of did it last week. Um, I wouldn't say my anxiety was too high. I was just kind of like, I was debating what I should make a decision or should try to do. Um, And I reached out to a few people, asked them some questions and they helped kind of, kind of bring that down a little bit. Like I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z, or I don't have to, um, it's not as bad as, you know, I may think it is. So Mm -hmm. that, that right there, dude, the escalation of anxiety, that's, that's a win for me. That's, that's one of those things that reconnects to the building trust to me, you know? So, um, so we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the fourth and final skill that they talk about. And remember these four skills that we just hit upon, they're actually a combination for both the mentor and the mentee. Yeah. So it's part of the mentoring process. Um, identifying goals and current reality. All right. So goals, I know we talked about goals last week. I know we talked about (laughs) how you have to talk about goals. Um, but there needs to be specific goals. There needs to be like there, a mentor should have certain goals they're trying to reach. Just like the mentee should have certain goals. However, now it's how do they connect? Are they yeah. connected goals or are they just individual goals that need to kind of be worked into the relationship? Uh, know what's important to you and what you value and desire the most. That's that's one of those ways of setting up those goals. Like, so what's important to me as a mentee, right? Is it, is it becoming better at uh, certain aspects of the job? Is it working on promotions? Um, because I mean, that's one of those things that I know, like, for instance, as senior NCOs, we, 
that's one of the things we mentor kids on is just how to get promoted. What what does it take? What do I have to do to become, you know, a sergeant or staff sergeant, you know, and move up the ranks and stuff. And those and kids like that. I mean, they they you said it yourself. Um, you had two uh, young staff sergeants show up to your office and they basically sought you <laughs> for mentorship. And what does it help them do? They both they both become starting first classes down the road. Yeah. That was what, that was the cool thing about it, you know? Um, so another thing, recognize areas in which you're able to perform well. So there's strengths, uh, very concrete examples of behaviors can perform at the good to excellent level. So you want to, you, within these goals, you want to kind of indicate those those areas that you're really good at because what we can do is we can strengthen that even more to create that confidence in in the competence you have like I, that, that's funny I have another thing that's up on my board up here it's confidence and competence it's all it's constantly feeding each other and that's one of those uh, that I, I find that the more confident I come in something is because I've become more competent in it Um here we go. Another another area of this identifying the goals is identify specific weaknesses or growth areas observed in yourself and ones noted to uh, by others. So if somebody has said, "Hey, Ed, um, I noticed that you're you're kind of weak at you know your fantasy football selections each week," and you know you can work on that. <laughs> yeah. Why are you, why are you grumbling? I, I was just no, using an example. You act like something in my throat. Just a little something caught in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, humble yeah. pie, but but, but <laughs> humility, no, uh, but knowing like if somebody says, Hey, to me, I notice you're not very strong in this area, right? I might sometimes we get defensive, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's a possibility, you know, uh, maybe like maybe it's how I speak to others, or maybe it's my writing skills, or something, you know, it could be a multitude of things. At first, you're going to get defensive, but then if you're really trying to seek this mentorship or this process, you're actually going to like maybe do some self-reflection and say, you know what? Hey, yeah, they're right. I got to bring that to the table that I, this is a weakness I need to work on. And as you work on it, you know, you're, you're creating that, that confidence in, in, in your new competence of that weakness. Um, set tentative one to five-year goals to reach in your personal life and career. Mm. Uh, that, I mean, that's one to five year goal. That's, that's a long time, but I mean, I, I can tell you right now, like you, how long did you, did you move to, uh, you moved to Germany back in three like, years and seven days. No, it's, it's three years this month actually. Yeah. Three yeah. years, right? Yeah. So, so three years has gone by pretty darn fast. If you think about it way too fast, so five years is not. <laughs> yeah. And by the time you leave, it'll be around four years. So it's like, okay, so what did you accomplish in that four years? And you're going to look back and you're going to think, oh, wow, we accomplished a lot of stuff. But at the same time, it's like you yeah. blinked and it happened, right? Absolutely. So, so you got to think about those. Yeah. I I know one of the things um, uh, I've brought this up before. Somebody had said something like, I can't remember who it says, like uh, something about uh, competing against other people within your organization. And I, I, and this was somebody I knew. This was at Carson, and I replied back. I was like, "Well, I don't compete with the other people in my organization. I actually compete with myself. And what I do is I compare. I look at my last year's performance, and I say, "Okay, I did X, Y, and Z last year. How do I top that? How do I top myself from last year? 
right? And that's how I build my goals for the following year, right? Um, you know, it's whether it be military education and my or um, job experiences or uh, training activities or even civilian education, you know, uh, like just civilian education, like here behind me, like those types of things. Like, how do I top that next? You know, and, th- and that's to me, that's how you build those one to five year goals. Uh, and then describe accurately the reality of your abilities and situation. How do you, yeah, but uh, like, how do you describe the actual reality of your abilities and situation? You, you have to actually know by actually doing some self reflection, not only as the mentor, but also the mentee. You know, what, you know, what's, what are my abilities? What am I able to help somebody in? What's the situation that this mentee is facing that I have to run him through? I've got to be able to describe that. If I can't describe it or I can't, I can't create a word picture for myself, then how can I actually go through the problem solving or the goal setting or the uh, uh, d- d- uh, developing uh, courses of action to help them through if I can't even do it myself? So that, that's like one of those things where you have to really focus on. Let's flip it to the mentee side. If I can't accurately say, hey, these are my goals and describe mm-hmm. through that process of like, this is what I'm trying to do or this, then how can I actually say I need a mentor? Because I don't know how to describe it to the mentor of what, hey, this is what I'm noticing. What are you noticing? So, I mean, there's different things like that. Um, so here it says, effective mentors and mentees are constantly fine-tuning this, uh, this self-knowledge incorporating new feedback and observations on a regular basis. I actually have this next book um, that he talked that the individuals talk about Peter Senji, uh, the fifth discipline mentions these skills as part of personal mastery, which he calls a journey, not a destination, which I like that. You know, because in a sense, it's like, there's not a fine, a final goal that you're reaching. It's just, you're hitting waypoints along a longer journey. Um, uh, with that. Um, but that's, that would be the four areas, uh, right now that yeah. we consider com- that's the combined area, active listening, building trust, encouraging, and then identifying goals and current reality. We're going to move on now, Ed, we're gonna talk about critical skills for mentors. You want to get us started? Yeah. So, yeah. So the first group of things we talked about, as Brian mentioned, that's the, that's kind of where the overlap. So a Venn diagram, basically think about you have your your critical skills for the mentor, your critical skills for the mentee. Then where those things overlap, that was the first the first section we talked about. Yeah. Uh, so this one is this one's near yeah. and dear to our heart, Brian. And, and I got much better at this after yeah. spending time as a facilitator, an instructor, whichever you know you, you, term you want to use. But um, for critical skills mm-hmm. for mentoring, instructing, developing capabilities. So all mentors do some teaching or instructing as part of their mentoring. The skill is especially important in formal mentoring. It seldom means you're giving formal speeches and lectures. Instead, your your instructing will usually be more informal from modeling specific behaviors to conveying ideas and processes one-on-one in a tutor mode. Um, So the the examples that they give, they give just, just two quick examples. All right. So the first one being... Be a learning broker as you assist your mentee in finding resources such as people, books, software, websites, and other uh, information sources. So th- this one's a, this one's a pretty good one because oftentimes you'll have a mentee 
um, approach you and maybe you're not the subject matter expert for that thing because just because you know the the soldier we'll use soldiers because it's very easy to kind of paint the picture just because the soldier is not a quartermaster they're this other job doesn't mean you can't be their mentor but when you start talking about their professional development there's others that are going to have a better understanding so what you can do is say hey you know, I'm help. I can help you with this, this, this. No, no problem. Um, hey, have you talked to, you know, have you talked to Master Sergeant Weber because he's a mechanic, he's an aviation mechanic as well, just like you. Maybe he can provide you some career mentorship. Um, so you're that person becomes a resource. Master Sergeant Weber is a resource to that that soldier, or you know, different websites and nowadays for everything like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to start. I'm in that mindset of the transition to retirement. And there's so many websites out there. And those mentors, those people who've already retired, are, are they can provide that information. Hey, have you looked at this website? This is a good website for job searches. This is a good website for understanding your mm-hmm. how your medical process is going to be. So I'm getting that now. I'm I'm a mentee, and these mentors are giving me this informally without saying, "Hey, I am your mentor, and this is what you should do." Um, so that's one thing. And then you want to teach your mentee new knowledge, skills, and attitudes by explaining, giving effective examples, and asking thought-provoking questions. Help your mentee gain broader perspective of their organization, including the history, values, culture, and politics. Demonstrate or model effective behavior, pointing out what you're trying to do, and help them monitor performance and refocus steps as needed. So when you're talking about you're you're developing them and you're instructing them, you're just you're really just providing them the tools that they need to improve, right? Um, you know, we sit on we talked about before on the show, sitting on these promotion boards. You can give them some, you can watch them perform and then you can give them some, hey, what about this, this, this? You should, maybe you don't study well by just reading. Have you thought about figuring out what your learning style is? These are different ways you can instruct Mm -hmm. them. You know, um, you can tell them, hey, like, have you figured out what your learning style is? Or, um, you know, maybe you should look at attending this class or that class. So, very instructor kind of centric um, development as the mentor. Um, and then a key part of your instruct- instruction is teaching the mentoring process. So you can do this by making process comments, uh, pointing out, naming, and otherwise getting your mentee to recognize which aspects of mentoring you're doing at the time and why. And this is important because now you're developing a future mentor for another mentee. So they're your mentee now. But down the line, you know, Star Wars, man, you're going to take that Padawan and down the line, they're going to become a Jedi Knight and they're going to start instructing young Padawans themselves. The same kind of idea, right? So just to make it make sense, yep. uh, uh, you know, and then there's a German proverb here that says, whoever cares to learn will always find a teacher. Lifelong learning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, so it I think I think one of the uh the greatest things that I got to do was being an instructor 
And so there are the people that just do it and then the people that like actually engulf themselves in it. And I know you were one of those people that engulfed yourself in it because you made it a process that you ensured you understood all the aspects and then you specifically during your instruction you would make sure you hit those different elements mm -hmm. of adult learning uh through the elm or the exper experiential learning model um and i know from my for my uh my own experience just learning how to instruct that became like i think that became one of my stronger tools yeah. um whether it be this podcast whether it be doing giving uh giving a NCOPD or non-commissioned officer professional development, or just doing a, a, a sergeant's time training with uh, some other Joes. Like it helped me kind of like connect to the audience, connect to the the soldiers around me. So I I can definitely I speak highly upon that instructing and developing capabilities. And that's why yeah. Ed, I often tell I'll I'll tell juniors juniors you know sergeants and staff sergeants hey. You need to go to CFDIC. You need to go learn how to become an instructor. Even if you mm -hmm. don't become an instructor, it will help you in so many ways, you know? Yeah. And then I think that, you know, remember when we were there and you would get these quarterly evaluations and we've talked about evaluations on the show a few times, but when you had somebody who was like fully invested in the process, but that was an opportunity that that was yeah. mentorship. They were instructing you because they would watch you teach, you know, your block of instruction. And yeah. then the feedback that they provided, which we talk about feedback a little bit later in, in you know, this episode, we're going to talk about feedback, but that feedback they provided was really, in essence, it was a type of instruction. You know, everybody was kind of like sketchy about having the bearded ninja evaluate them because they thought he was like this tough guy. And he, he was, but, the the flip side is after he evaluated you, if you could track him down, because he usually did not stick around when he was done. Um, the feedback he provided was more instruction than feedback, and it was useful for your own development as as that mentee, that that instructor. So, the just some different techniques as that you can use in when instructing your mentees. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. Right now I'm I'm uh noticing how much your brother is like totally like downing you on uh on our fantasy football <laughs> messages. <laughs> I mean this is hilarious. And your wife's and your wife's feeding it. So I'm learning from these people right now, like how much they really are pushing against you. I mean, this is amazing. If you have ten champions and four of them are the same person, it generates a lot of hate. You should know, as a Patriots fan, you should understand what winning does to to pe how people want to uh, want to interact with you. So it's fine. You know, there's Bill, there's oh, Tom, which, which and leads there's me. me. <laughs> oh, wow. which leads me into the next area of inspiring. <laughs> so, all right, so we're gonna get into the inspiring piece, and then you can hey go ahead and read some of those messages. Your brother's being brutal, bro. Um, not really. It's not that brutal. Um, so inspiring. This is what I'm going to read about what they have here. One skill that separates superb mentors from very good ones is an ability to inspire their mentees to greatness. By setting an example yourself and helping your mentees experience other inspirational people and situations, you can help them onto future paths that excite and motivate even beyond their original dreams. Mentors vary in their ability to be inspiring. 
Um, I, I, I find like this is this is one of those areas that uh, to me is key as part of not only being a mentor but as a leader or anything is just being inspiring because you have i mean you have to find a way to inspire others around you um so do inspiring actions yourself that's one of the that's one of the key elements is you actually have to do something that's inspiring um then what that does is that kind of gives them an example you know challenge your mentee to improve it challenges them to also improve because like oh well this person's helping me through this and they're actually doing something inspiring, so why can't I do the same thing? Uh, help them observe others who are inspiring. So let's take self out of it as the mentor. Take self completely out of the equation. Yeah, you need to be able to do some inspiring stuff, but also don't be to the point where uh, you're selfish or you're you're so, uh, I guess, vain that you don't add in other inspirational people. Like Give them an example. Show them. Um, and you could even arrange inspirational experiences for them, like maybe take them to uh, some type of speaking or, or some type of uh, conference where they can see there are others like-minded people that can help them become better and that they could follow uh, also. Uh, challenge them to rise above the mundane and do important things in life. You know, um, some people in life, I guess some people just like they say hey, I'm I'm fine with the norm, or I'm fine with just the the to stay the standard, and that's it. You know, it's kind of like you think about it. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's think about the Army physical fitness test. The Army physical fitness test. There's some people that say I'm fine with a 180. 180 is uh, the minimum score. Yeah, just passing, right? Yeah, that bothers me. You know, that's that. We'll challenge them. So, what's going to hurt you to get a 190? And then once again, 190, well, why not get a 200, you know? And then you keep challenging those individuals. Yeah. Usually if it's somebody who says they're just fine with a 180 though, they're, they're not going to change their mind. It's hard to get them to change their mind. Um, but if you can, good mm -hmm. for you. That's inspiring. Um, help them recognize inspiring actions they took in the past and ways to excel again. So how, how would they, they do something in the past that was inspiring and then What's the pathway to reach that again or even better? So those one of those things. Uh, the author here talks about it's always tempting to tell mentees what to do and, in fact, to have them follow in your footsteps. Your challenge as a mentor is to ensure that your mentee identify, identify and pursue their own form of greatness, not necessarily yours. All right. So here's my little, that's my little take on this. I've talked about Joshua Bryan on the show multiple times and how he's a big mentor of mine. I reach out to him. I probably talk to him once every two weeks. Um, I would say I'll send him a message or I'll ask him questions or whatever. Like the other day, I, I think I've talked to him more this week than I have in the past month or so. Okay. But um, one of the things that I've, I, I'd mentioned to him a while back was like how he inspires me to, to do things like him. And he, he told me, he, he, Verbally says, I, he's like, I don't want you to do things like me. I want you to do things greater than me because I know you can do things greater than me. Like that to me, like even just saying that, that's inspiring because I'm thinking, man, this dude is, you know, he's awesome. You know, I mean, I looked up, I, I have looked up to him since I've known him um, because I felt that he's, he's a trustworthy person. We talked about building trust earlier. Um, he has go certain goals he's trying to reach. I look at that. That's awesome. Um, and he has an ability to connect in a way through instructing almost uh, that really connects with me. So it's like those are the things that I see within him. And 
to me, all of that is inspiring in itself and made me want to become a better person. You know, um, we've talked about John Rogers on here a hundred times too, Ed and John, how John is like, it's like, it's almost like he always wants to do the absolute right thing by people. Yeah. And that's inspiring in itself. He never, he doesn't want to do wrong by someone and, or he'll never put him, he doesn't never do, well, around us. He never put somebody in, uh, where he put himself in front of others. He always put others in front of him. That to me, that's inspiring. And that makes you want to do better. And, you know, and even though he was a peer, sort of speak, I looked up to him in that manner and, and he makes me want to be a better person. So, uh, your thoughts on inspiring. Um, yeah. So this is, you know, I think it's somewhere it's written somewhere, lead by example, something like that. And that's what I kind of get is because if you set that positive example, you're, you're inspiring them, you know, you're, 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 whoever your mentees are, you're inspiring them to want to mimic that. Or as Sergeant Major Brian, you're inspiring them to exceed that. And, and, you know, again, so one of the things I've always found difficult with mentoring, um, is you have the ones who you're going to inspire. And you have the ones who are happy being the bare minimum. You know, you have your your 180, and no matter what you do as yes. a mentor, they're just they're the 180. That's what they they're happy being the 180. But you also have those ones who are like, hey, you go to the gym before we go to a physical training. I want to do that too. So I'll see you there in the morning. And next thing you know, you have a gym partner who's working out because they don't want to be the 180. They want to be the the 270 and then one day to 300, which is a perfect score on the old army physical fitness test. So that was one of the, that's always been one of the kind of frustrating things for me. You do your best to inspire. Some people are receptive and some aren't. And, and you do have to develop as a mentor. I feel like you got to find a way. Um, okay. That didn't work to inspire Schmuggatelli. And you could try various approaches to inspire you know, to inspire Smugatelli. But like you said earlier, Brian, some people are the 180 guys and gals. They're just the 180 guys and gals, no matter what you try. Uh, but you can't give up. And, and I've always said that. And no, one of no. my uh, analogies that I've always used is, you know, you, you take your mentor, mentee under your wing and some of them cut your wing off. But you grow back another oh, wing yeah. and you reach out and you grab another mentee. And hey, when the wing comes, when you grow that wing back, maybe that mentee that you're grabbing is the same one to cut it off before because that shows yeah. the type of person you are, the resilience of you as a mentor that you're willing to do that. Some people just make mistakes. Some people do, you know, maybe it's very, a very serious thing to get a, a, a DUI and it's a poor choice. It's a huge mistake. But I have, and it's a little harder now in the Army, but I have known some soldiers who were not removed from the military service and um, went on to make it to Master Sergeant and retire. So, you know, they learn from that. You know, they touch the stove. It's hot. I'm not touching the stove no more. Yes, it's a super serious <laughs> thing. We're not endorsing, you know, getting a DUI, but sometimes they just make bad, really bad choices. But you can come back from that. And somebody inspired that soldier to come back from that DUI. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. there's yeah. times out there. It, it's hard. It is hard. 
All right. So, so we're moving on. We're moving on, Brian. So we're going to talk about feedback. So we're <laughs> going to talk about providing corrective feedback, another challenge of a mentor. It's easy to give positive feedback, right? It is far more difficult to give feedback that the mentee may not yeah. be 100% receptive to. One of the things that the author says in the article, and I'm not reading this verbatim on this one, but one of the things they say is discuss with the mentee how they would like to receive feedback because then they're they're more likely to want to hear a corrective feedback because they've kind of given you permission. You know what I mean? If they say, hey, just be blunt with me. If if I do something wrong, be blunt. That's the best way. Or, you know, maybe you need a sugar coat, sprinkle a little bit of sugar on there. So it, it's better if they've talked to you, you've had that discussion maybe in one of your earlier sessions with the mentee is so you receive positive feedback. But how are you about negative feedback or corrective feedback? Not negative feedback. I take that back. Rewind that. Mm. Uh, because it allows you to have that <laughs> it allows you to have that understanding, right? Um, and then what you want to do is first of all, you want to use um positive, non-derogatory business-like words and tone of voice with mentees when the behaviors or products aren't satisfactory. So this goes back to what we're talking about the pitch, the pace of your, you know, your when your tone. These things are very important because these are indicators. You, If you don't pay attention to how you speak to the mentee, your, your, your tone could convey a different message than your words and, and could come across yes. as attacking or, you know, and, and put them on the yep. defensive. And once they're on the defensive, it's over. That session's over. You're not going to get anywhere with that mentee. It's very unlikely. Um, don't give mm-hmm. them the feedback in front of everybody. Right. Give them that feedback in private. We've talked about so many times, you know, praise in public, right? Admonish in private. Like we take them to the side. And, and this is the way we're we're taught this as young leaders in the military. You take them to the side and you have the tough conversations there, not in front of everybody, right? And then um this is a big thing with ARs. We've learned this one, Brian. Give the feedback as soon as feasible. Uh, after the performance, you know, we talk about ARs and one of the keys to a military AR is to do it as close to the location as possible of the event because it allows visualization and it's fresh in your mind. And so in this case, this would be a fresh in your mind kind of thing. You give that feedback and they can mm-hmm. recall it because the mind is such a powerful thing that over time and space, maybe now they're not going to recall it as, as it happened or maybe you as the mentor fail to recall it accurately. So you got to give it as soon as possible. Be very specific as opposed to vague uh, feedback on behaviors and um, offer useful suggestions for them to try next time. Offering to be a resource when that time occurs. This is the the problem, right? Come to me with a problem. Come to me with a solution. Same idea. If you're going to give them feedback, give them feedback, but then provide them with a course of action that maybe they can try. And and you've got to make that important. I'm not telling you to do it this way, but this is a way. Maybe it could work for you. Mm-hmm. And that may even lead them to think, you know, critically and say, you know what? That is a way, but what about this way? And now we're having a discussion about what's the way forward to um to provide you that feedback. How can we get you better? And and so and then of course, we talked about earlier in the episode the encouraging skill and you want to use that when providing corrective feedback, Brian. Boom. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, I, I liked that. Um, the, the particular one that sticks out to me the best is to give specific feedback on behaviors versus the, uh, the vague ones that to me, nothing's more frustrating, say, as somebody who's being mentored, um, when it's just like, well, your, your tone was all off, you know? And you're like, what do you mean? But they can't really give it to you, like give you the, the details Yeah. to me, details are details are what builds that process. Like those details of, Hey, you really should think about the eye contact. Um, were you looking down at your notes too much? Maybe your tone was off because you were confused or you were, uh, you weren't confident in what you're speaking about. You know, so these, all these little elements that can kind of help me tweak your tone is all off. Like, yep. so th there's, there's lots of things that go that are involved in that. And that's why I think details are very important. Um, but at the same time, you know, as the mentee, maybe, maybe I ask for, well, what do you mean? You know, uh, you can't just expect somebody to give you all the information. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta ask back. Uh, this leads me, this leads us. And when you think about corrective feedback, <clears throat> I think a, a, a great, area to look at corrective feedback is the very next area of managing risk. Mm. Risk is one of those things that, you know, we're talking about, we, we were taught all the time about being risk adverse, um, or just basically, you know, look at the risk before we start processing, you know, this, this whole course of action that we're going through. We have to really identify what's all the risk here, you know, um, one of the, so, so some of the key things that we do are we're supposed to be able to do through like say courses of action or, or, um, when we identify risk is, is it going to put people in harm's way that can't, you know, they can't be gone around or is it going to risk, put risk at the mission? You know, so how, how much risk are we willing to accept? And risk is one of those things, especially with, I mean, it doesn't matter what job you're doing, whether you're, you're, you're working in a warehouse or doing aircraft work or an infantryman trying to do a patrol risk is one of those critical things that will, if I understand how to properly assess risk and then I can uh, mitigate that risk through actions, then I think I, I personally feel like that is the, the correct way to go as I say, a mentor to a mentee. Um, so one of the things they talk about here at is, Help your mentee recognize the risks involved in actions and projects, including some risks and mistakes you've experienced. So basically, that to me, it's like, so I've done what you've done before. Um, this is what <laughs> happened to me, and it kind of bit me in the you-know-what because I didn't think about X, Y, and Z. That's, I mean, that's just, that's, that's experiential learning. I'm giving you some of my experiences, and then you can relate those experiences to your own. Uh, then also talks about make suggestions to help them avoid major mistakes in mm. judgment or action that, you know, make suggestions. That's what it's talking about. Hey, you know, what you're about to do could do X, Y, and Z. So you may want to kind of rethink that or maybe implement some type of uh, risk mitigation. Uh, so help them learn to prepare well, get wise counsel and their uh, then trust their own decisions and actions. Well, that's a good one. I think so, and that's one of the, that's one of those key ones. That's one of the things that I actually um, uh, I actually posed to I want to say about four or five about four mentors this week. I sent out some messages, some mentors asking them for basically their advice. Was it detrimental risk that I asked them about? No. However, it's risk that would affect me and my family. Like. 
hey, what do you think about this particular position or duty station? What's the risk involved? You know, and they they all it's funny, all four of them reply back <laughs> to me. And some of them the the answers were almost the same, but they were just slightly off. So it helped me kind of like analyze the entire situation, the risk involved. Um, one of them even called me and we talked about it over the phone. So it's like understanding that through their experiences, as mentioned before, and then the suggestions helps me make a well-informed decision. I'm still not set on the decision right now. However, I'm still through that process. I help them learn to prepare, uh, prepare well. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me jump down one. Uh, if requested in difficult situations, intervene as your mentees advocate with others. So maybe you're giving me advice um, and my mentor notices this. That mentor needs to intervene. He's like, hey, listen, I know you're getting this advice from X, this individual, but do you think they have your well-being in mind? Do you feel this? You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. basically kind of questioning it to make sure they're making the right decision now, you don't want to do that all the time because they have trust with other people and other mentors. However, it does help. Um, mentees and mentors in many corporations have identified managing risk as an increasingly important mentoring skill. Uh, one of the things I just heard the other day, uh, Jocko was talking about making decisions. Um, he said, he talked about on that same that same episode, he talked about... Um, what is the risk in the decision we're making? If there's no risk, then why is the decision being brought to the leader? So that person could just make a decision uh, if there's not like major risk involved. You know? And that I think teaching, teaching that is like, hey, listen, what's the risk? Think about the risk first. Do you have to bring that up to somebody else or can you just act upon it, that decision? Um, but other than that, man, I think definitely hitting upon different types of risks uh, dealing with incorrect, uh, incorrectly with customers or missing deadlines or understanding project costs. Those are, those are kind of larger risks in the business that you have to be careful. But what about career risks? Some of them are like mm -hmm. offending certain people. Sometimes, I mean, it happens. You don't even realize it. Um, taking the wrong position, like that's a risk. Like, uh, I, I could be offered this position at this organization at this position, I chose the wrong one. That's that's a that's a career risk. Right? Yeah. Is it going to improve? You know, like, you know, what would you? You know, you as a as as your particular career field, Ed, taking on the uh, that position you have right now is that a career risk for you? Or is that an enhancer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, no. No, that's I think, a good. I think it's enhancer, but I mean, yeah. Ish. Uh, and then staying <laughs> in a job, staying in a job uh, maybe uh, too long. That's one of those things in the army. Mm. People don't stay in a job longer than three years. If you stay in something longer than three years, you're stagnant. You know, and that's usually like that's like being an instructor, a drill sergeant, a recruiter, those types of things. Usually, you go over three years. It's like, hmm, why hasn't that person moved up or moved out? Yeah. You know, type situation. So, um, other than that, man. You got anything on risk? Yeah. I mean, so look, there's a risk to risk, right? And a lot of people don't want to take the risk to risk. So there is a risk to everything. Mm. Like all the things you talked about, they're, they're risk, but they're also enhancers. They help. Um, but you can't be afraid to take risk. I think as you get more experience in a position. So, you know, for us as a young sergeant, you're, you're, you're a little more 
iffy about taking a risk. Um, but as you get that experience and you're like, okay, yeah, I know that if I take this risk, the worst case scenario is X, Y, Z. I'm willing to assume that risk. There's, there's times when you have to be willing to assume a risk. And I actually got better at that after dealing with the bearded ninja and the famous nobody <laughs> shooting at you um, analogy. But you, you do have to assume there, there's a risk to everything, right? So, yes. Um, and it's just being willing to uh, recognize the risk, recognizing the second and third order effects of that risk, and then making a decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. So. This about is, to hit on that. This is my favorite fifth and one. final one. Huh? This is one of my favorite ones, Brian. This is one of my favorite ones. It's opening doors. All this is is yeah. the mentor assisting the mentee and networking. That's all this is. So yes. opening doors means yes. opening the right doors to allow your mentees to meet people and demonstrate to different audiences what they can do. Research has shown that when mentors vouch for mentees in this way, their work is much more likely to be well-received. One, previous topic, talking about risk management, right? There is a risk to vouching for that mentee. But if you're doing a good job as a mentor, you're willing to assume those those risks. Um, So things like, here the examples, putting in a good word to people who could help your mentee reach desired goals. Personally introducing your mentee to appropriate contacts. Uh, Make certain your mentee's abilities are noticed by others. Uh, Giving your mentee's assignments or opportunities that enable them to interact with important colleagues, suppliers, or customers. And suggest other resources for your mentee to pursue. But this is just, I mean, networking in the military is so important in what we do. Um, I know in the logistics field, I know here in Europe, you know, it's good. Like I said, we just had this big conference you know, last week. And then when somebody calls me, it's like, hey, hold on. Sorry, Brian. Sorry to the audience, too, but. Thirsty, huh? I'm going to call <laughs> and it's not COVID. Um, no, no. So you meet these people from different countries, right? And then I have a rotational unit. Let's say we have an aviation unit and they're having some issues uh Maybe a vehicle broke down on the side of the road on the Autobahn. But having this network that my boss is providing mm-hmm. me by doing the last bullet here or next to the last bullet, I am able to call the colonel from that country, whether it be, let's say, Netherlands, and he is able to assist me. So I'm using that network to accomplish something. And it's because my boss, who previously did not have non-commissioned officers, really go and do a lot of the planning and traveling has done this with me. So I have those networks across Europe that I can try to help units who are here for training when they find themselves in a bad situation. And and again, you talked about earlier, we talked about Murphy. Murphy happens. Vehicles break down. But when you break down on the Autobahn and you start backing up that traffic in a foreign country, you know, it's a nightmare. We need to get that done fast. And that's what these networks. So the same thing for your mentee. And then, you know, I've met people, one of my mentors who's retired now, uh, actually was my peer and I got out, he stayed in and he conveniently, he reclassed and became a 92 alpha, which is what I am now. I wasn't before. 
when I came back, he introduced me to people that I was able to reach out to when I needed assistance to help me develop mm-hmm. my career, you know. So I had never worked in a warehouse, but I met people at a barbecue at his home that worked in a warehouse and I was able to go down there and get some FaceTime with them and to they would say, Hey, come on in, we'll show you a few things. And so I'm getting training in a warehouse, but yeah. I'm not assigned to a warehouse, which is crucial as a leader later in my career, the warehouse. So this is something one of my mentors did for me was that networking. And he showed me the value of networking. And there is, there's a lot of value in networking. Absolutely. Yeah. It, mentoring to me, um, when it comes to opening doors, I love, I love, uh, networking. Like I don't, so one of my buddies here, I go to school with, he comes and works out with us every once in a while. Um, uh, he's also an aviator and he, he refers to me as a social butterfly. Yes, that's and true. It's not that I'm a social butterfly. Mm. I'm not a social. It's, I like to meet new people and people and, and get to understand different things about them. And to me, that 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 aspect of uh, mentorship of teaching somebody else how to uh, network or opening those doors with them, it really does help out. Uh, I want to say, when was it? It was not too long ago. Somebody had asked me, hey, do you know how to do X, Y, and Z? And I was like, no, I don't. However, I do know such and such. Um, I can connect you to them and they may be able to help you. You know, And sure enough, it happened. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, what you're talking about with that making those connections, that's probably one of the, I guess most important skills out of all of those five that we could talk about. Like it's one of, I, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to not, you know, measure or how to measure those up against like in being inspiring risk adverse, all that stuff, but opening doorways, man, that's important. Um, so Hey, Ed, we're going to move on to the critical skills for mentees. And there's five skills that they talk about here. So this first one is in it's, it's, Acquiring a mentor. So <laughs> becoming a successful mentee yeah, isn't a passive experience. A good step. <laughs> it's probably, a, yeah, you know, hey, uh, step one is get mentor. Step two is listen to mentor. That actually um, is. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Brian. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Uh, in the spirit of, of uh, career self-reliance, you should be very active in selecting and negotiating with several mentors, several. So and that's why I feel like I have several throughout that I kind of connect with uh, who can help you succeed. Good mentors know, uh, I'm sorry, good mentors now have a wide choice of potential mentees. So you must success, successfully handle the acquisition process skillfully. Uh, so identify a desirable pool of individuals who potentially can provide you with mentoring. To me, a desirable pool are people, one, you know, they are kind of a successful, mm-hmm. but especially in their career field, right? In the career field that you're searching for or, you know, um, but I can also find a mentee, like, so I'm an aviator in aviation. I can also have a, uh, or a mentor who's an infantryman. That's nothing yeah, wrong with that. 100%. Because they maybe they were successful, you know, it's something that they used in maybe the, uh, the combat arms infantry world may work for me in the aviation combat support role. Right. Um, actively search for several mentors that uh, 
I already said it once. I have several that I connect with yep. that I constantly ask questions of. You know, um, I think what that does, Ed, is that helps give you that diverse perspective. So if I'm asking multiple, like I just did this past week, if I'm asking multiple mentors the same question, I get different answers. So how nice is it to be able to take and evaluate not one answer, but be able to take in five to six, and then you can compare and contrast and you can say, okay, well, if I go this route, this could be what happens. I go this route. It gives you all those perspectives. Uh, yeah. That's why it's important to have several. I think, yeah. I, so, yeah. No, I agree. I'm sorry. I agree. <laughs> because when you think about Brian, so let's look at, let's just look at a couple I know for you. So you have Sergeant Major Bryant, who is an aviator, if I'm yeah. correct, right? And and you view yeah. him as a mentor. You have uh, John Rogers, who although was a peer, you still looked up as kind of a mentorship too because of how he likes to look at things, right? So now he's an infantryman. Then you have yep. the bearded ninja, who is a civilian, DA civilian. So another, so you're getting not just, you're getting a mentor mm-hmm. focused towards a certain area that helps make you more well-rounded. And I think that's something important to remember mm-hmm. as mentees. You don't want just, I don't want only quartermaster mentors. I mean, I have a carpenter mentor. Yeah. He's a SAR major carpenter. But I want those people who are successful and I, I want them to help me be successful. And that, that means I have to come out of my quartermaster is my comfort zone. But what about that? What about that right. DA civilian? What about that aviator? What about so those things just make you so much more well rounded, Brian? Sorry. I know it's only like five words, but it really struck a chord. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, and that's what I agree with you about because it's like, for instance, I could ask him all a question. They give me different answers. But what if I, um, let's say if I narrowed my my questions down, right? Um, and some of them may not be able to speak upon that experience, yeah. but then others could. So I can at least still get some advice on that area. Um, wait, what if it's about being more physically fit or, or it's, uh, increasing my capacity and to do like endurance and vents? I have mentors for that that I consider. I consider they may be peers, but they are also mentors to me. Uh, my buddy Justin, I ask him a lot of questions about cycling because I don't like you and I, I. I would consider us amateur cyclists, right? I mean, we have nice, nice bikes, but we don't know like the ins and outs of cycling like that. And so I may talk to him about cycling, or maybe I talk to um, oh, oh, what was his name? Um, I just ran into him the other day. Oh, Goddard, you remember Goddard, right? He was. Or maybe, I don't know if you do or not. He was an MLC instructor, but he's a runner, you know, and I noticed he does a lot of things with running and with his dog and stuff. I could ask him questions of, you know, about running and some of his experiences. It's just, it just depends. Um, let's move on to the next one though. It says sell potential helpers on the idea of providing mentoring to you in addition to, or as opposed to others, they might help. So sell potential helpers. That one, I, I guess you could, mm, you, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't connect to that one so much as, as I did the other one, uh, convey your specific needs and goals to prospective mentors. So that's a good one. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. I need, I'm needing to add, enhance my career. Do you see yourself in that process to be able to help me there? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, you don't say it that way, but it's just that general idea <laughs> yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. Um, if I, 
if I want to become better at a, a as a logistician, I I would look at you and say, hey man, um, I want to learn how to do X, Y, and Z a little bit better in the logistics field. Do you think you could help me with that? And then obviously you're going to say, yeah, I can help you with that. Well, boom, there we go. As a mentor, um, here's a good one. Negotiate the mentoring arrangements with your mentors, including agreements on goals, expectations, length of the relationships, confidentiality. That's the important one. To me, that's really important at times. Uh, feedback processes and meeting schedules. So we talked about meeting schedules and things like that mm-hmm. last week, but we haven't talked about confidentiality. We have not. I don't think we've even tapped confidentiality at all. And I would say, Ed, in my own opinion, I think that's probably one of the most important things. And I think that builds upon that building trust we talked about earlier. That's absolutely. If I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to you about a, a, a situation and I'm seeking refuge you know, in, in your mentorship, it's not fair to me if you take my all my stuff and you go blab it off. Yeah. However, here's the big however to it, right? Maybe you're learning something. Maybe you're, you as the mentor are learning something and you're understanding something new and you also have another mentee that you can help through a same process. You just don't give details. That's all. But you can use that experience, what we mm. talk about, experiential learning, right? You give those details. If you give the details, now you're giving a little too much. However, if you're if you're saying, well, you know what? I once knew such and such, uh, a certain person, they went through the same process. Maybe it's a good idea to go X, Y, and Z to help somebody else. I don't see a problem with that at all. I think that's fine. But, you know, if, if I'm, if it's something really personal to me and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm with, and I'm telling you, Ed, I would, I would be highly upset, disrespected, and lose lack of trust if you told somebody else. Oh, yeah. Now, if you tell Tammy, I don't care because she's our friend. So she's all right. She's all right. Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely, she's, I don't know how we missed that because we've talked about trust on both episodes too. And that is, that is like one yeah. of the biggest violations of trust out there. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And hey, so you want to even you want to even push you a little bit further. What if your mentee is like within your own organization, right? That confidentiality piece, right? Oh yeah. What if now your information is getting spread throughout that organization, and then maybe your boss, because maybe this person is not your boss, but now your boss finds out about it. Like that. Like, can you imagine the destruction? Just how destructive it's going to create, like the relationship, and then oh, yeah. now it turns into like more instead of a friend, it's like an enemy situation, you know? Uh, yeah, it's very much. And then even if you, you know, like you said, you could sanitize it, but you got to be very careful about sanitizing if you're going to use it or if you're going to ask somebody else for guidance with that issue. You got to make sure it's sanitized to a point where they're not identifiable, right? Like. You know, right. That that's something you gotta be cautious with too, because you can, like you said, you can sanitize it and then say, here's this issue I'm having, boom, that I'm trying to figure out, but just don't leave, you know, details in there that can make them go, Oh, I know who that is. You know. Um Yeah. 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 So yeah, that man, we're off to a, a, a pretty good start with the critical skills for the mentee, Brian. Yeah. What's next? All right. Learning quickly. So it says here, mentors enjoy working with mentees who learn quickly and take seriously any efforts to teach them. So one of those I agree with much more than the other. I think the if a mentee is taking things serious, right, that's way more important than being a quick learner. I, I 
I can handle somebody who's not a quick learner because some people just are not. And, and maybe it's me. Yeah, maybe yeah. I have to find a way to make them understand whatever it is I'm trying to provide a different way. Maybe I'm not appealing to the way they learn. So I think that as long as they take it serious, um, it, it's much more important. You know, it says you should work hard as a mentee directly and indirectly earning everything you can. I, I still don't like it as rapidly as possible. I don't, I don't, I mean, yes, that is a best case scenario, but I don't think that it's necessarily the scenario. Just that's just my own kind of intake. No. You know what I mean? Like I, I know the focus and I get it. Yeah, you got to weigh it. Yeah. You got to understand. You have to weigh it out. Yeah. Um, so some of the things that it talks about here is applying the knowledge and skills presented to you and be ready to tell your mentors how you applied them. I think that's excellent. You know, if you can out, lay out the things we talked about in our, our session, the next session is say, well, I use these things and this is how I use them. And then you as the mentor can then provide some feedback, open and honest feedback to say, oh, well, that maybe didn't work because you missed this step. So I think that's that development. Um, observe carefully and learn indirectly from the modeled action of your mentors and others. Study the materials given to you though, uh, by your mentors and materials you also seek out related to your development areas. Integrate new things you learn into your own conceptual framework for problem solving. So this one's very important too because if, if you're learning something from your mentor as a mentee, but you're not using it, then what was the what's the point? Like what's the payoff? So you need to start integrating some of this. And I'm not saying we talk about five things and you integrate all five, but I'd like to see you as my mentee integrate one or two of those things. I'd like to see, you know, to something to show because it shows that buy-in, it shows that you care, it shows that effort. So um, and then this is very important. As the mentee, receive feedback non-defensively. And, uh, you know, and that also goes into what the mentor does, right? So the mentor has to present the feedback in a non-defensive way. Because if I present it defensive, if I present it like very um, offensively, not defensively, offensively, right? Like I'm attacking you, you're not going to receive it non-defensively. You're going to get the hair standing up on the back of your neck and go back into um, crouching tiger hidden mentee and, and you're going to lash out. So you got to be able to take that feedback non-defensively, discuss it. Um, and then anything you don't understand, you know, um, discuss with the mentor to make sure there's a shared understanding. And then as your mentoring relationships proceed and mature, you'll probably have ample opportunities to debate and disagree with your mentors. I think that's development too, being able to debate and disagree in a professional way. Um, in the beginning, you should display a strong learning attitude, be willing to consider new ideas and show an openness to be proven wrong. So those are all really, really crucial, right? Like you got to be open. I, I, am I always right? No. And I need to be able to accept that I'm not always right and be able to deal with that yeah. and then learn from it. You know? Yep. So I think those are pretty, mm -hmm. pretty important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to agree with you about that learning quickly thing, uh, just to jump back at it. Yeah. It, I, I would take somebody who's taking the, uh, the situation seriously over learning quickly. Because sometimes I've, it's just me, Ed. Sometimes when somebody mm -hmm. seems like they're learning quickly, they're not really not learning. 
and then now you got to repeat things over and over again instead of if they take their time and take it serious then you know you don't have to repeat that action again you don't have to repeat that lesson or or go through that process again now you can just as the mentor i get to observe and see what's going on to can enhance it instead of oh well you messed that up let me try this over again that type of situation <clears throat> all right here we go we're going to jump into number three Ed. okay showing initiative i love showing initiative i love it so much that I've actually developed my leadership philosophy on a, a words, word and words about showing initiative. To me, initiative is just one of those things where it's like you don't have to worry about things getting done, especially the obvious things. The obvious things, if somebody shows initiative and just gets those done, then to me, it's like, all right, I can try, concentrate on the more in-depth stuff instead of having to worry about these you know, so for instance, uh, something that drives me crazy, man. I, so I live in the housing area, um, here that there's a lot of juniors around me, right? Um, one of the big things that, and I don't know how you may feel about this, however, so we only have certain size parking lots and there's larger parking lots down the road and you can park mm. extra vehicles at and then walk to your house. One of the things that gets me, um, is people who get out of their vehicle or in full uniform, except for they don't put on their headgear and they just walk yeah a hall to their house i'm i you know how much I've, i correct people like on that stuff and i'm like if they would show the enough initiative to just do the right thing i wouldn't have to worry about the small things anymore you know what i mean like those are the small like those are small things that we're supposed to do that people think Oh well, I don't have to do it if I'm not next to the flagpole type situation, and that's and to me always. that's like the wrong attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, like at a gas station, people get out to pump their vehicle, and they don't. We're required to wear headgear for a reason, so just wear it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't make the rules; I just abide by them, that type of thing. And and what's it hurt? Uh, it's like somebody may look at me and they say, "Hey, what's it hurt that I don't?" Well, what's it hurt if you do? You know. So, um, but let's talk about that showing initiative. Some of the things that I like in this is that know when and when not to show initiative. When, you know, basically, when do you when do you push forward on stuff, or when do you hold back? I think that goes along with uh, what I'm going to talk about with take informed risks in order to acquire new knowledge, skills, and attitudes. If you if you take initiative um, towards a new knowledge, new skill, or whatever. But you didn't take in consideration the risk of it, or you know what's it going to take away from? What's it going to change focus to? And the mentor doesn't know. Then maybe the mentor has been working on something to help you acquire those skills, and now they've just wasted all that time working towards that. So it's like, where do you, you know, where do you take that initiative? Mm -hmm. um, get appropriate questions to clarify and get more information. So that helps you take that appropriate risk in the initiative by asking questions. Hey, uh, so we talked about doing this and I should probably do this X, Y, Z. If I were to move forward on LMNOP, are you good with that? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Actually, that was what I was going to bring up next. And, and it, <laughs> what it does is it creates that constant, you know, creativity, uh, pursue useful resources on your own. Oh yeah. I mean, we that, just talked I mean, about this alone. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like looking for the on. looking for something to help. It. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, John John Bonilla, really good friend of mine. Um, he did. He did. Uh, he was. Oh goodness, I've known him for years. He was. Uh, he was a sergeant major up there in uh, in uh, Fort Carson. With me, I've I've known him since goodness since we were specialists or sergeants. Um, Jeez, we deployed together time. during the initial. In- yeah, <laughs> uh, during the initial invasion to Iraq, that's, that's when down. I met him. Um, but he he uh, he wrote this one thing for me one time that I I posted to a blog that I was doing, and it was it was called learning to be comfortable with with being uncomfortable. And I was mm. like, oh, that makes you know that's that makes great sense. So that kind of helps kind of see that whole pursue things on your own. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, gracias. Uh, go beyond what your mentor suggests. That is, take their ideas and show creative or ambitious ways of using them. That to me. So if I if I go to a mentor and I say, hey, I'm thinking about doing uh, this, this, and this, or the mentor says, hey, um, the next thing you should probably look at doing in your career is X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So I should start looking at options maybe even beyond that maybe it's uh maybe it's a position change maybe it's um maybe it's a volunteer uh type activity maybe you know there's lots of different areas but if i look at going beyond it but i don't want to leave the mentor uninformed that's one of those things hey i'm i'm looking at this i'm thinking about doing this what are your thoughts so what you're doing is you're one you're showing the initiative and you're going a little bit beyond what they said and now you're Getting back with them, you're talking to them about what you're about to do. That helps, you know, incubate more thought and idea. So to me, <laughs> that you know, showing initiative, Ed, as a mentee, I think that to me shows that somebody wants to continue and build upon that relationship as the mentor mentee situation. Yes. It's when they don't, or if they're just doing only the bare minimum, I'm like, uh, do they really want to become better? Is there a drive for success or not? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and that's kind of you know you talked about the two staff sergeant now sergeant first classes that came into my office that time, but I still hear from both of them, and, and every once in a while you know it might be a a a question related to their development, or hey you know like for me the sergeant major that I have who's a mentor of mine was my first sergeant he still sees my NCOERs. Uh, Every time I get one, that's awesome. Yeah, he still sees it. He still yeah. provide, and he provides feedback, right? And then you know that has helped me learn to write NCOERs uh, and, and be more effective in writing them and in the development of those NCOs. So that mentorship, that feedback, that that taking the initiative type of stuff, you know, that that stuff is amazing. And then the other thing that you kind of mentioned. Uh, you know, you were talking about, and then it it's, provides that feedback to your mentor, which is what number four is. Number four is talking about following yeah. through. Um, so yeah. I like that it says, yeah. these days, it's a mentor's market. <laughs> Mentees who don't follow through <laughs> on tasks and commitments are often dropped and replaced with mentees who do. Um, so that's one thing yes. we don't really have the luxury of doing in what we do, right? Uh, in the military, it's very hard. That's what we talked about earlier about you know the the mentee mentee cutting off your wing, but you still take them back up under your wing when they're ready. Because um, we don't we're not afforded that opportunity to just be like, all right, you're cut off. I, on to the next. And in fact, most time as a senior, we have many mentees, right? 
not just one or two. So, yep. um, and then to demonstrate the skill of following through, this is really kind of common sense stuff, but keep all your agreements you made with your mentor, right? So when we decide on these goals, keep those goals. Um, and then coupled with that, complete those goals on time, right? So we say, Hey, in the next 30 days, you're going to enroll in your first college class because you want to earn your associate's degree. That means in the first 30 days, you should have spoke to the education center. You have should have enrolled with the class, you know, um, try out suggestions and report back results. This is what you were talking about during show the initiative, Brian is, you know, try what we talked about and then let me know it didn't work. Okay. Well, let's get into more detail. So exactly, you know, what did you do in that process? Maybe as the mentor, I can fit mm-hmm. say, oh, here's the flaw in your execution or here's the flaw in the guidance I provided you. Maybe we should try it this way. I was incorrect. We talked about, you know, accepting that you, you can be wrong. Um, and explain in advance if you want to change or break an agreement. Hey, look, you know, I told about one of my examples earlier, Brian, that Murphy happens. And, and you know, you have a tight timeline and your mentee is really pushing themselves and they've set this tight schedule for themselves. And then something happens and they don't enroll in that college class in 30 days because they, you know, whatever, they got tasked and they got sent to a detail in Poland for, you know, two weeks. And that really put them behind in that process. But in advance, let me, yeah. let me as the mentor know, hey, this is what happened. Here's now my new improved timeline, I think that this would work um, and persist mm-hmm. with difficult tasks, even when you're discouraged. So I talked about my, my combo guy, right? He got discouraged, but he didn't stop. He kept pushing through with that task, even though he had every eyeball, you know, he had 80 eyes on him at the time and he just kept pushing through. And it's the same thing with this as a mentee. Everything's not easy. If it was easy, everybody could do it. So when you have a task and the task is challenging, just, you know, be persistent, you know, show your resilience and just keep pushing through. The payoff is going to be worth it in the end. I promise. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the little block here says an informal poll of mentors by Philip Jones revealed that several were frustrated with mentees who failed to follow through on agreed upon tasks. This is true for us in the military, too. I, I, we do have a level of frustration with soldiers who don't follow through on the things we agreed to. Uh, some mentors even yeah. refused to enter new mentoring partnerships. They concluded that they were working harder on their mentees' lives uh, than the mentees were mm-hmm. doing on them for themselves. And this is 100% you've seen this in your career. 100% you've seen this. And it is frustrating. Yep. But then that's when you go back to my last point, right? Persist with difficult tasks, even when you're discouraged. So pay attention to that because that's what you have to do in these cases, Brian. Oh, yeah. The, the follow through, I think it, it just connects well to the very next point that we're going to hit upon about managing the relationship. Um, and so here we go. It says, even... Even when your mentors try to take strong lead, you're the one mm-hmm. who should manage the relationship. It's your development, and you must take responsibility for its process and outcomes. To me, that right there, that, that talking about that managing the relationship, that is showing the initiative, and that's also the follow-through with that, that process, right? Um, and it talks about stay up to date with each of your mentors on issues between you, goals to reach, satisfaction with your meeting schedules. 
really it's hey are you staying connected or are you kind of you just kind of put them to the side yeah. um and managing that relationship comes down to you know it's also just reaching out and just having a conversation it doesn't have to always i always need this i need this i need this it could just be saying hey how you doing well how's life you know what's going on oh well it's good thanks you know yeah, exactly. glad to hear from you exactly i didn't read the rest of those i didn't read the rest of those because i don't I, I don't know about you, Ed. I'm not one to set deadlines on a mentorship. I think I think it's it's everlasting. I think it's one of those. To me, mentorship is it's just ongoing, no matter yes. what, because you're always trying to improve and stuff. It and because in this in this particular part of the article, they do talk about like preparing the end of your mentoring relationship, and I'm like, but is there really an end to a mentoring relationship? I don't think <laughs> so. Major Wright I don't personally say no. feel like it. Yeah, Sergeant Major Wright would say no because uh, I haven't worked with him since 2008. <laughs> and I still yeah. consider him a mentor. So I would say, yeah, he would argue that no. Josh Bryant would definitely argue that no, there's no end because he's still got you. No, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, how you foster that relationship and how you continue building it, it just makes it that much better. So why would you want to end such an awesome relationship in that mentorship process? Yeah. To me, I don't I don't see that. And I guess that's the only part of this entire article that I disagree with. Um, because to it's it comes down to uh it just comes down to like, hey, are we gonna focus on this and then that and then this, and then we keep going. Next thing you know, I mean it's like you're on top of the world and or you're just going to end that. No, because that individual helped you get there. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe, maybe roles switch a little bit too. Who knows? You don't know. You don't know. So, um, Ed, I feel like the past two episodes of this, uh, it was going to be a three part series. looks like it's more of a four part series. Um, as we went into the coaching, we did the mentoring uh, 101. Now we did the different key skills of men of the mentoring process uh, all the way around. Yeah. And then next next one, we're gonna hit upon training. And training is a, a whole different aspect. And I, I I'm gonna take a lot of material about training off of our basically out of our NCO guide because there's a lot about that in there. And I find that that right to to me that is that is our bread and butter as non commissioned officers. That's what we do. We train. I mean, if you think about it, this podcast is training. In a sense. <laughs> you know, it's. It, it, yeah, I mean, if 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 anything, you're you're training, I'm training, like we're training on these these things a little bit more. We're we're learning to develop it, and it just helps along. Um, however, I want to bring this up: is if for some reason somebody wanted to know more about this information or find these these packets, these documents that uh, we're going to share, where could they go to do this, Ed? Well, I'm glad you asked, Brian, because they can go to our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook at 101 Influence Closed Facebook Group. You'll answer a couple questions, and a member of our courteous staff will quickly grant your access, and you can find that information there. You can also look for your instinctive influencers, Brian and me, Ed, at our website, instinctiveinfluencers.com. Brian needs to figure out how to unlock it so that we can update it and change some things. But, hey, it's coming. I'm, I see smiling. I know he's going to do it. 
we're going to talk about this mentor mentee yeah. of him fixing that and uh, providing me some feedback. So you can check us out there. We're also on Twitter. And of course you can find us on YouTube. You can see the faces. You can watch me roll my eyes when Brian talks about fantasy football that he's never won a championship in. And you can see the trophies behind me. If you watch oh, the influence my. page, so go to our instinctive influencers, YouTube page, go on there, give a subscribe, a thumbs up and then hey if you like the lego championship trophies that i have here comment let me know that you like them ask me anything you want about fantasy football and our league and i'll tell you about how great i am back to you brian (laughs) well thanks ed for bringing all that up um (laughs) a little upset right now um like just kind of throw my business out there, huh? I haven't won a championship. Anyways, it's all right. Uh, hey, you've only been a league like yeah, three so years. Cha- Four years. So it's funny you brought up about the website. I actually have to renew the uh, renew the uh, the web address because you have to pay for that every once in a while. However, if you would provide me with a good picture, then I'll change it. Until I get a good enough picture, the one that's on there is way better. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Well, I'll get my suit tailored and I'll take maybe, it. Maybe. Ah, there we go. That suit you got, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, uh, I I did enjoy today's. Um, this this is one of those this is one of those episodes where it seems like it's you know, um, like we feel like we've learned a lot, but there's more to learn about the topic. And there's more to kind of investigate and kind of just to kind of peel back the onion, so to speak. I'm on it. Um, Quote John. Rogers. Other than that, I don't have. Yes, John Rogers, peel back the onion. Um, I don't really have any much more to say to the audience. We actually pushed this one. There are far limits. We usually don't go this long on an episode. Yeah, and I've got to get going here in a moment. I've got to take a trip, a two-hour trip north. Um, Anyway. All right. Thank you so very much. Ed, I'm glad you had a great week. And go make some dinner with your wife. Uh, Tell her hello and tell her that it's okay every once in a while if we do message on our group. Cause she said, she said, you're supposed to be recording a podcast right now, not messaging. I know here. you're busted. <laughs> so, all right. I know I got busted, but you did it too. Cause I just saw yours pop what? up. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I, I get it. Hey, with that, I am Brian and I am Ed. Ah, it's a wrap. <laughs> And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a great day. And uh, start thinking about this mentorship.